just for a few minutes today, turn to 1 Samuel chapter 1, 1 Samuel chapter 1, and verse 27 and 28. 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 27, 28. For this child I prayed. Amen. And the Lord granted me my petition that I made to him. Amen. Therefore, I have lent or given him back to the Lord as long as he lives, his lent to the Lord. Amen. The story here is beautiful. You may know the story of Hannah and uh, how she is a barren woman in ancient Israel, which was uh, very stressful. We, they didn't have... Uh, security, social security, safety nets like we do today. So your children were pretty much your security. And, uh, and also it was a sign of blessing. A lot of people in ancient Israel viewed barren women as someone cursed. And so she is praying to God that he would give to her a child. And it says that God heard her prayer. And it's uh, in chapter 1 and verse 10, it says that she was deeply distressed and prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly and vowed a vow. 1 Samuel 1 verse 11, she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will look on the affliction of your servant, remember me and not forget me, but give to your servant a son then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life. Uh, She promises God if he will answer this prayer, she will give this child back to God, and God does. God answers her prayer, and she calls him Samuel. 1 Samuel 1, verse 20, it says, In due time she conceived and bore a son and called his name Samuel, For she said, I asked for him from the Lord. Samuel means to be asked from God. Something that is asked for. And you have in 1 Samuel chapter 1 verse 21, she has made this promise now that she's going to give him to God. Well, what does that mean? Well, it means that she's going to take him up to God the tabernacle, which at this time was in the city of Shiloh in Israel. And there Eli, the high priest, would receive the child, and the child would be like a servant in the tabernacle. So that's what she's promising to do. She's going to give him to God, literally, almost like a, like a monastery, and he will be a servant to the high priest and to the tabernacle system of worship as long as he lives. But she doesn't take him until he's weaned. And I might point this out. Uh, 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 22, Hannah did not go up, for she said to her husband, As soon as the child is weaned, I will bring him. 
so that he may appear in the presence of the Lord and dwell there. But now notice, because I have read this and I wasn't sure how to take some of this. Verse 23 says that Elkanah, her husband, said, Do what seems best to you. Wait until you have weaned him. Only may the Lord establish his word. So the woman remained and nursed her son until she weaned him. Now, when she takes him up, he's like five or six years old. So it says she nursed him until she weaned him. Now, and I was thinking about this. Can you, do you, can you nurse a child at five years of age? <laughs> okay, well, I'll take that out of the notes there. No, actually, here's what the uh, American Academy of Family Physicians says. The natural weaning age for humans is between two and seven years of age. Family physicians should be knowledgeable regarding the benefits of extended breastfeeding for both the mother and the child. The longer women breastfeed, the greater the decrease in the risk of breast cancer. (laughs) There is no evidence that extended breastfeeding is harmful to either the mother or the child. So... Hannah, uh, and I know some of y'all breastfeed, and I guess this is actually an encouragement to keep up the good work. (laughs) Amen. But Hannah evidently kept him and breastfed, breastfed him until she weaned him. That's verse 23. And then she took him as a five or six year old child up and as she had promised, she gave him to God and to the priesthood and to Eli the priest, and to the sacrificial system of the Old Testament. Then you have the prayer of Hannah in chapter 2, where she's happy uh, on what God has done for her. Um, Hannah prayed, chapter 2, verse 1, and said, My heart exalts in the Lord. My horn is exalted in God. My mouth derides my enemies, because I rejoice in your salvation. Uh, The word salvation there is Yeshua, from which we get the name Jesus. It's Hebrew for Jesus. And she sees Samuel as kind of like, this is like Jesus. And if you read the, he wrote 1st and 2nd Samuel. He became a great, the first prophet to Israel. He literally saved the nation by his wisdom and guidance and prophecies. He anointed David as king. So he, she is seeing, she has a vision of what this child can be in God and, and says, you have shown me your Yeshua, a picture of Jesus. This is what Jesus is going to do for people. And, and Samuel has this tremendous anointing on his life and she has given him to God. Now, let's take a look at this uh, tabernacle environment. Look, for example, at chapter 2. And verse 12, now the sons of Eli, Eli was the high priest, these are his priestly sons, they were worthless men and did not know the Lord. Hmm. And it says in verse chapter 2, verse 17, because the sons of Eli, who were also priests, would, would forcibly take 
the offerings that were brought. They, they would kill the sacrifice, and, and instead of letting the sacrifice be completely devoted to God, they would prematurely take it home with them and eat it or sell it. So it says in 1 Samuel 2, um, verse 17, the sin of the young men was very great in the sight of the Lord, for they treated the offering of the Lord with contempt. It meant nothing to them. Now that's the priesthood functioning when Samuel was taken up there. But look at verse 18. But Samuel was ministering before the Lord, a little boy clothed with linen. He was just a little boy serving God surrounded by these older priests who were stealing the offerings. Then look at chapter 1 Samuel 2, verse 22. Eli was very old, and he kept hearing all his sons were doing to all Israel, and how they even lay with the women who were serving at the entrance to the tent of meeting. These sons of Eli, the high priest, who were also sons, they were having sex with the women who were there at the tabernacle. Some of them were coming for worship. Some of them were coming to help in the tabernacle system. They were there for different reasons. But they were immoral sons. So they were thieves and fornicators. And here's little Samuel. And look at what it says, 1 Samuel 2.26. Now the boy Samuel continued to grow in stature and favor with the Lord and with man. In other words, Samuel was doing okay. In the midst of corruption and hypocrisy and immorality, Samuel seemed like a, had to be in a little bubble of holiness where he was preserved And his purity was preserved by the God of heaven. And then what about Eli, the priest? Well, look at chapter 3 and verse 1. Here's the high priest, a picture of him. The boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord in the presence of Eli. Now, he's no paragon of virtue, this Eli. The word of the Lord was rare in those days. Verse 2, at that time Eli, whose eyesight had grown dim, he could not see, was lying down in his own place. In other words, he'd gone to bed. First Samuel 3, verse 3, the lamp of God had not yet gone out. What does that mean? Well, in the tabernacle, when the worship was to continually take place and there was a light, a lamp called the menorah. There's, a, there's one out there in the window, by the way, a small replica And the high priest's job was to make sure the light was lit in all seven of those branches that come up out of the main stem. He put the oil in it, put new wicks in it, keep it burning all the time. You see this in Exodus 27, verse 20. Command the children of Israel that they bring pure olive oil beaten for the light to cause the lamp to burn always. It was to always burn. But you see here it says before the lamp had gone out, he'd gone to bed. That tells me he wasn't doing his job. And whose job was it to keep it going? Exodus 27, 21. Aaron and his descendants, Eli was a descendant of Aaron, the priesthood, 
is to order it or preserve it from the evening up until morning. So he's gone to bed and not done his job as high priest. He's letting the light go out. But it says about Samuel, he was lying down there in the temple. So here's the picture and here's the environment that you have Samuel, little six, seven-year-olds now, maybe ten, he's growing up, and he's, he's got as role models these corrupt sons of Eli. He's got as his, his mentor Eli, the backslidden high priest, who goes to sleep on the job. And who does he have? Well, look at 1 Samuel 3, verse 4. Then the Lord called to Samuel. You know who he has? He has the Lord. Now, does it matter when we bring little Bennett and little Avery, does it matter anything if we, like Hannah, bring our children to God? It matters, my friends. Because if you know, America is increasingly corrupt. Its perversion and its immorality is now uh, a national threat. The sin is awful. Is it possible to raise up a child in this environment? It's on television, it's, on the, it's in the news, it's, on, it's in the internet, it's in the schools. Is it possible to raise up a child? Is it realistic to think that we can have a child who, ra- who is raised up and, be, and is preserved in his purity and innocence and holiness? And I tell you, Samuel is an example. It is not only possible, we should expect it to happen with our children. Amen. Amen. Absolutely. Because it's not getting any brighter out there. So what I wanted to do with you, uh, let me give to you, by the way, there's a verse here that God says to Eli, that I think is a great verse. It's 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 30. He, here he comes to Eli and he says to him, you need to know, so he's not been honoring God. His sons have not been honoring God. And God says, those who honor me, I will honor. And those who dishonor me, I will see that they are dishonored. Now that's the message for those out there and, and those of us who need it in here as well. But now what about the parents? When you're living in a nation that dishonors God and even the religion is often corrupt, when you're living in that kind of an environment, can we raise children? What did Hannah do? Here's some lessons. I'll call these action plans, but I'm taking them from Hannah. Three action plans for parents today. Number one is trust God to take care of your children. Don't get hyper on it. God is able. Trust Him when you don't know where they are. They're going to, they're going to be out late at night. They're going to be gone. They're going to be, there's going to, there, it's going to be a, a driver's training time. You know, let go 
and know that God does not. Amen. Hallelujah. When you walk them down the aisle and you're turning them over to who knows what. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) Then I just want you to know God has his hand on them. And let every son-in-law know that. Glory to God. God, I may not be there, but God's there. and He sees all things. He knows what's up. Trust God to take care of your children like Hannah did. How did she walk in to that kind of environment and then leave that child? She didn't didn't leave him alone. God spoke to Samuel. God was with Samuel. And that's the beauty of this dedication. We are are people who believe in God and that God, this God we believe in, created the heavens and the earth. He is everywhere, all the time, in power, in might, and He sees all, and He is able to take care of our children. And I praise Him. He kept Joseph in Egypt and saved him while he was there alone. Moses on the Nile River when they had to put him out in the little ark. He kept Jesus from Herod, who slew all the children in Bethlehem, but, but, he saved, but God the Father saved his son. And he saved Samuel from the influence of Eli's sons, and he can save your children as well. So trusting God that he's there when you're not. Here's a second thing I think we can learn from Hannah. And that is, begin your plans in prayer like Hannah did. Bathe it in prayer. Let it be birthed in prayer. Hannah got Samuel as an answer answer to prayer. And I would back it up and go even further. I would say let your dating life be bathed in prayer. If you have one, let your dating life be bathed in prayer. Let your marriage be bathed in prayer. Who do you marry? Ask for the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Our first date, I was asking Jan about this this week. Uh, we, uh, I took her to a, a revival service. We was at Asbury College. I took, we drove into Lexington, Kentucky, attended a revival with a Jewish evangelist named Hyman Appleman. Sat on the second row. Uh, Jan later told me she was unimpressed with my dating skills. But uh, it's a shocker there. But uh, I remember uh, we met at a prayer meeting, and before I asked her to marry me, I took her to her church, and we knelt at the altar, and we prayed together. And that's where I, when I got done praying, I turned and I asked her to marry me. And she prayed, and she turned and said yes. It was born in prayer. And I'll tell you something else, if y'all don't mind. On our honeymoon, uh uh-huh, we prayed. Before we got in bed together for the first time, I might add, before we got in bed together, I said, honey, let's kneel right here by the bed and pray. And we prayed together before we got in bed. I, I remember that. I asked her if she. Re- I asked her this week. I said, "Do you remember that?" Um, what I remember is a real short prayer. <laughs> Something like, "Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah." 
<laughs> All right. <laughs> and I, if I remember right, she was saying, Lord, let him pray a long time. Let it a long time. But everything was rooted in prayer. When we, when we had our children, they were dedicated to God. And what a blessing they are to me. I adore my children, and I see them as expressions of the love of God in my life. And then a third thing that I would say to you is that we should watch and teach uh, and cultivate a respect for authority like Hannah did. Look at uh, 1 Samuel chapter 3 once again. Verse 4, the Lord called Samuel and he said, Here I am. And he ran to Eli and he said, Here I am, for you call me. But he said, I did not call you. Notice how Samuel, this little boy, when God spoke to him, he thought it was Eli. And what he did was, he's used to being a servant of Eli. Here I am. What do you need? And down in verse 10, the Lord came and stood calling as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. See, now get this. The attitude that little Samuel took toward God was the same attitude he took toward Eli. It's a position of authority. And it was the same attitude that he took toward his mother. Authority, if you can teach your child to respect your authority, it is transferred to other authorities. The concept, being humble toward any authority. And and once you do that, and I I wrote this down because I, I want to make this statement to you this morning. Teach your children that their future lies in the way they respect authority in life. Their future lies in that. See, when you've said yes, sir, to to the father, your earthly father, and then God speaks to you, that submission and humility is transferred to the Heavenly Father. When you say yes, sir, to your, or yes, ma'am, to your mother, and you treat her with deference and respect, that same attitude is taken toward the teacher at school. Can I get a witness on that? Amen. Amen. Teach them by both your language and your example and your instruction that they are to respect. The teachers, pastors, amen, to respect pastors, and, uh, uh, and, and by the way, I would add this. Teach them to respect the police. Hallelujah. Amen. This authority, it's authority. It's a position of authority. Let me give to you, uh, pull up Romans 13. Let me give you this verse. This is a tremendous verse of Scripture. And, it, and remember that authority figures are those 
who make decisions over you, and as you learn, learn to relate to one, you learn to relate to the other. And, and here's what Paul said. Let every person be subject to governing authorities. There is no authority except from God. Uh, and by the way, you know who was the president of Rome at this time? When Paul wrote these words? Nero. Think about that. He says, there's no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. The early Christians never led a government rebellion. They just preached the gospel and rescued people one by one through Jesus Christ. And here is what he said, Therefore, whoever resists the authorities will resist what God has appointed. Rulers are not a terror to good conduct. Now, I know there's exceptions to that, but here's the general principle. Rulers will not bother you if you are keeping the law and doing good deeds. That's the general principle. Uh, He said, would you have no fear of the one in authority? Then do what is good, and you will receive his approval. For he is God's servant for your good. You know what the word servant is? It's diakon, from which we get deacon. The policeman pulls you over. That's God's deacon in the external world, outside the church. He's God's authority. And so when he pulls you over, don't cop an attitude. Don't say, what'd you pull me over for? I ain't showing you nothing. Amen? Do what you're told with a good spirit and pray that you don't get a ticket. That's the way I handle it. (laughs) But teach your children that their future lies in their respect for an attitude toward authority figures and then model that in front of them. In other words, when a teacher gives your child a bad grade, don't go get on your high horse and gallop down there to the school and demand what's going on here. That's not a good attitude. You're not teaching your child that there's an authority figure appointed by God and that they need to adjust and work with you. How can you help them? And you know, when I was growing up, if you got in trouble at school, you got in trouble where? At home. In other words, what they did to you at school... My mom and dad and my grandparents were always on the teacher's side. They never took my side. You know why? (laughs) Because it wasn't a good side to be on. It was a bad side. But that is one of the things that we learn today, and I think that God would have us to learn. Um, And many times our children act out a rebellious rebellion toward authority which a spirit which they have picked up in the home. Amen. So trust God. Pray to God. Teach reverence for authority. And give your children to God like Hannah and know that He can preserve them holy in the midst of an unholy world. Praise God. Praise God.